It's a great thought. And are you doing it? Are you praising him for all the blessings that he pours out into your lives? Even some of those blessings that you haven't figured out yet how they're blessings. Those are the tough ones. Those are the hard ones. But we can do that as well. But he is, he is blessing us um, so richly. And even this morning, you know, just praising God as the, as the nickels were uh, for Betsy officially becoming their daughter. Um, what, a, what a blessing. And we return praise to God for that blessing. And that's the way that we should live our lives. Um, that's why he said in Psalm 100, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise because we always have something to praise him for. Now let's praise him for his word in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let me reread that last verse. May the Lord direct your hearts into, into God's love and Christ's perseverance. We're going to answer a big question or begin to answer a big question this morning. A question that all of us have had or have right now or will have soon. What is God doing? What is God doing? You might add to that, what in the world is God doing? In your own life personally? In your health, in your relationships, maybe in your family? What is he doing in our church? What is God doing? Maybe you think about our country, and and you put an exclamation point after that question mark. What is God doing in this place? Then you think about the whole world, and you get a monstrous exclamation point. What's he doing? And there's an answer, and it partly comes from this passage, this fifth verse. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. First of all, as we look at this, let's recognize, and we should should always try to recognize this whenever we're reading Scripture, this may be one of the verses that speaks of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in one verse. There aren't a lot of those, but look for those. This may be one of them. It certainly um, speaks of God from, from different perspectives. It says, may the Lord, often used to refer to Jesus, 
but also used to refer to the Holy Spirit. You remember in 2 Corinthians, which we went through a number of, uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, now where the Spirit of the Lord is, or, or excuse, where the Spirit is, who is the Lord, there is freedom. So there's a, a direct um, statement that the Lord sometimes is referring directly to the Holy Spirit. Then he says, may the Lord, say that's the Holy Spirit, direct your hearts into God's love. Sometimes the general statement of God is referring specifically to the Father, especially in a context where there's also a reference directly to the Son, which comes next, and Christ's perseverance. So we see, we see the work of the Holy Spirit in directing us. We see the work of the Father in loving us. And we see the work of Christ in giving us perseverance. God is active in our lives, and he is at work right now directing our hearts. Another way of putting that would be clearing the path as he directs us, clearing the path out so that we can see clearly this love of God and this perseverance of Christ. But wrap it all together, we recognize that God is growing us. In one of our favorite verses, and I, and I say that with confidence that this is a favorite for many of us, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In fact, that's one of the verses, along with John three sixteen, that I could almost say, hey, let's, let's quote that together, but then we'd have you know, five or six different translations and it, it wouldn't go that smoothly. But if, do you know what Romans eight twenty eight says? For we know that in all things God works together for good those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know what he's doing? You know what he's committed himself to do? He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it, to finish it. He's growing us. God is interested in your individual growth in Christ. God is interested in your family's growth in Christ. God is interested in our church's growth in Christ. Part of the answer to the question, what is God doing, is he is directing our hearts. He's he's causing us to focus our affection, our attention, our intensity. He's He's helping us to focus as he directs us into these important concepts that will enable us to continue to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. That's what he is doing for every one of us who have put our trust in Jesus. As we were singing these songs today, praising him for the work that he's done, that our hope is built on nothing nothing less, nothing else than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Looking forward to that day when we, as we sang it, 
when he returns with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone. See, he's done all this work for us, and those of us who have put our trust in him, he's the one that's going to save us. He's the one that's going to, going to welcome us into glory, not because we've been so good. I would hate, to, I would hate for us to have to list all of our sins. Certainly we'd be embarrassed and we'd be shamed. It would be, an, it would be an ugly list just from this group. It would be an ugly list just from this group. And those of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, he has forgiven us. He has wiped all of that away. As the psalmist says, he's, he's thrown it into the deepest sea. He separated it from us as far as the east is from the west. Completely removing it from us. That's what he does for every one of us who put our trust in him. And once he forgives us, he also commits himself to grow us. To make us more and more like Jesus Christ. He's not finished with us the day that we receive Christ. Oh, there's a certain aspect where it's finished, as Jesus said on the cross. It's finished. When he died, that was, that was it. One death for all. One time for all. But that doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't going to do more work. He's continuing to work, especially by the power of his Holy Spirit, who is now directing our hearts or clearing the path for our hearts to see and understand and be transformed by the love of God and the perseverance of Christ. There's another passage that refers to these things together in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. I'll invite you to turn with me to that. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 where the Apostle John is, is starting uh, to, to record this amazing um, revelation that God had given him. Chapter 1, verse 9, makes this great statement. I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours, in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Notice his description of himself as he identifies with other believers in Jesus. Look what he says. I'm your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Those are, those are tough words, reminding us of that, that we're unified not only in the, in the praise of God, but we're also identified in the work of God, which is demonstrated first, as he mentions, his love, and then the endurance or the, or the perseverance of Christ. So let's look first at the way the Holy Spirit directs our lives or clears the way for us to see 
this love of God, this love of the Father. I mentioned some of the symbols that we use for love with the children this morning. Get in our, get in our, our minds and our eyes focused on that love. But one of the things that we do that we provide here at Midway is the cross, the picture of the cross. The, the, it's, as I've mentioned many times, even though it's really pretty the way we got those backlights and, and all that kind of stuff, it's not up there for decoration. It's up there as a, a, a reminder, a remembrance of the love of God demonstrated in the work of Christ. Romans 5.8, again, as I mentioned to the children. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. Don't, don't go far from that. Don't, don't allow yourselves to, to, to move past that. We need to focus. If we're going to grow, if we're going to become the men and women, the boys and girls that God wants us to be in Christ, we need to stay focused on the love of God that is demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ. And remember the timing. Remember the timing that, that Paul gives us in regard to God's love. That Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Think about that. He says in, uh, in Romans 8, or excuse me, or, or later in, in chapter 5, for a good man, somebody might possibly dare to die. You might, you, you know, one of us might lay our lives down for somebody good or, or a family member. But Jesus did it for enemies. That's, that seems like a harsh word. But before we met Christ, and and I'll mention that for any of us in our service this morning, if you haven't received Jesus Christ yet, then the Word of God tells us and tells you that even though you haven't thought of yourself like this probably very often, we were and we are enemies of God. Because we're living in disobedience against Him. We're living in rebellion against him. Most of the things that we do, either the the act themselves or the motivation of the act itself, is done against God and for ourselves. Now God changes all that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. But he did that work, not only before we were born, he did it before we had put our trust in him. He did it while we were still dead in our sins, while we were still living in rebellion against him. This speaks of his great, great love for us. The timing of it. Do you remember what he said, said in his prayer for the soldiers that were nailing those spikes into his wrists and feet? Do you remember his prayer? It's pretty common. Most of us remember that. Do you remember it? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't realize the extent of the, of the sin that they were committing, the heinousness of that crime that day as they were nailing the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, to that cross. While they were doing that incredibly terrible thing, 
he shows his love by saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's speaking about all of us. Oh, we didn't, we didn't do that physically. We didn't, we didn't do that physical act of actually nailing nails into Jesus. But let's, let's remember to take our part in that. Let's, let's remember that, that we had some participation in that because he was dying for the sins of the world, including ours. He wasn't just dying for those guys who nailed those spikes into him. He was dying for everybody. That's the extent of his great love. Another one of the famous verses, John 3.16, speaks of that love. For God so loved the world. You remember the rest of it? That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, it's not only before we became Christians, before we started doing good things, before our lives started changing, but it was for everybody. For God so loves the world that he gave his son. He wants us to think about that. The Holy Spirit, one of, one of the jobs that he has in our lives, one of the commitments that he's made is to take us to the love of God, to remind us regularly of the love of God. It's one of our responsibilities that we have together as a body of Christ. When we get together, make sure that we spend some of that time not just singing about the love of God, but proclaiming that love to each other, sharing that love with each other, showing that love with each other. Jesus summed up all the law and the prophets in the Sermon on the Mount. He he does it in in a number of ways, but in one statement in the seventh chapter of Matthew, he said, "This this sums up all the law and the prophets. Do unto others. You remember the rest of that one? As you would have them do to you. That's a picture, that's a statement of love. Expressing to others what God has expressed to us. And so when we think of the love of God, as the Holy Spirit directs us into that love of God, it's not only for us, it's also for others. And it's not just God's love for others, it's our love for others as demonstrations of his love for us. And so if you've been loved, then love. That's part of the process that he has us in. That's part of this growing process. If you've been loved, if you've received the love of God in Christ, then don't keep it to yourself. Show it. Demonstrate it to somebody else. How did God do it? Well, even before we met him, even before we humbled ourselves before him and asked him to forgive us, even before we received him, agreed with everything in his word about who Jesus is. Even before that, he sent Jesus to die for us. And so even in our timing with others, we can express the love of God by loving people 
even who aren't very lovable. You know who those unlovable people should remind us of when we're trying to figure out how we can love them? Ourselves. When you're having a hard time loving the unlovable, and I'm not going to put names on them or positions on them, husband, wife, I'm not going to do that, child, parent, coworker, teammate, teacher, student, whoever it is. And, And most of us don't just have one person we got numerous people that we would say would be on our list of hard to love. When you think about how you're going to love them, what you can do to demonstrate love to them, think about yourself. Think about what God did to express love to the unlovable, you, me. Think of the extent that he went. Again, not after we started going to church, not after we started praying, not after we started memorizing verses, not after we started being nice to people. While we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. And so, we're singing songs. Some of the songs talk about the worst sinners, the, 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 the most defiled don't try to think of somebody else think of yourself and if God can love us like that can we love somebody else I've told the story before of a time when Sherry and I were having a discussion in the kitchen and Rebecca was about 10 years old at the time and um, our discussion was was um, flowing upstairs to her bedroom somehow. And um, we hear the pitter-pat of feet coming down the stairs. And I'm over by the stove, and Sherry's over by the, the, the cupboard. And she comes sliding on her stocking feet on the linoleum with her hands up like this. I said, you guys, stop it. This is how divorces happen. Thank you very much. You know, that, my kids have belted me pretty hard before. That was one of them. Oh, way to go, Dean. Way to show her, you know, what a father's supposed to be showing her, his daughter. And I was able that day, that, at that moment, to say, you're right, Rebecca. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have been talking to each other like this. But I want you to know something. We're not going to get a divorce. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because we're so good. And I walked over, and Sherry allowed it. Walked over next to Sherry. I said, your mom loves Jesus. And she knows how much he's forgiven her. And because of that... She's going to forgive me. And I love Jesus too. 
And I've been forgiven so much by him that I'm always going to be able to forgive her. And so you're right. Divorces happen and this is the way they happen. But I want you, I want you to know right now, because of Jesus, that's not going to happen right here. That's where the love of God enters in to the depths of our experience. When we can't find it to love someone, then we remember what God did for us on that cross. Then we remember that we didn't deserve what he did for us. That he didn't wait to show us his love until we got our act together. That before we turned to him, he died for us. And so the Holy Spirit, and remember, the Holy Spirit often uses the body of Christ to do his work, to enhance his work, to complement his work. The Holy Spirit is directing us, as he did the Thessalonians, he is directing us into the love of God. Not just for the foundation of our lives, which it is. And, and, and hear me say this again. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ. It is only by believing in Jesus do you receive all of these benefits of this great love of God. Because it is in receiving Jesus that he forgives us of our sins and makes us a part of his family. That's what the Apostle John was talking about when he said, Lots of people, most people don't receive Jesus, but he said this in John 1.12. But those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he, became, he gave the right to become the children of God. When we become those children, through the love of God, then the Holy Spirit will begin growing us in that love, showing it to us, reminding us of it, and giving us opportunities to share that love in all of our relationships, in all of our circumstances, that we can shine in this world because we are loved by God, because we love God, and now because of him, because he first loved us, we also can love. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us yourself in your word. And this morning, Father, we have been thinking about your love. We're here as testimonies of your love. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to know you. We don't deserve to be your children. But your love overcame that. And that was a lot to overcome. We thank you this morning for your commitment to us to grow us in our faith by reminding us, by showing us, by demonstrating to us your great love. Help those of us who know you never to stray from that cross. Help us never to think that we've outgrown thinking about the cross. 
because it is that cross and what took place on it and the one who died on it that reminds us of what real love is. Father, I pray that you would help those who haven't yet received Jesus, whether here in our service or online or others that we know that aren't even here this morning that we're praying for, that we're trying to share this love with. Father, we pray that you'd help them to know your love, to see that you love them. Even though there are things in their lives they don't understand, things that you've allowed, things that you've done that don't make sense to them, help them to know that you love them. And you proved it, you demonstrated it by sending Jesus. And Father, we don't have it all figured out. But we thank you that you've made it very clear to us that you love us and that you want us to love. So fill us with your spirit as we leave, as we continue on in our relationships with our parents, with our children, with our husband, our wife, with our friends, with our coworkers, with other relatives that, that you want us to be loving. Father, we pray that you'd help us to receive your love, to know your love, and to share that love. And we pray that you would be glorified in all of this love. In Jesus' name, our Savior, we pray. Amen.